Welcome back to Chat with the Designers, a weekly technical discussion forum for amateur radio homebrewers and experimenters with your hosts, George N2APB and Joe N2CX. Topic tonight is schematic capture and printed circuit board layout, tools and techniques. Uh, George and 2 apb will be leading the discussion tonight, and I'll get the ball rolling for us. George, <laughs> you and I have put together over the years um, an amazing number of QRP kits under the banner of NJQRP and AMQRP, uh, 30 or more of them, and nearly every one included a, a printed circuit board that you've laid out and produced. Um, you start by overviewing the general process for us here. Things usually start out as chicken scrolled notes on a sheet of notebook paper that uh, we review and ultimately turn that chaos, uh, tumult, and confusion into an orderly schematic and printed circuit board. Uh, what's your general um, process, George? Go ahead. Well, good evening, everybody. And as, uh, as Joe said here welcome to tonight's session of chat with the designers um, we've had this topic in our back pocket for some time uh, really wanting to share it um, with people who want to be uh, making more of the circuit designs taking them to the next step making their circuits more readily manufacturable for club activities or for just a couple of uh, a couple of you that might uh, want to build up a project or um, a circuit and have an easy way to do that with a circuit board. Um, over the years, we, uh, Joe and I, have put together a whole number of a whole range of, of circuits and kits and projects for the New Jersey QRP club, for the AM QRP club. We've independently done it for different clubs of our own, whether it was a uh, uh, fox hunting type of activity or for a Boy Scout uh, building up a, a radio kit. Um, a regen type of radio kit. So there's all sorts of reasons that one would want to take a circuit and then turn it into a circuit board. Oftentimes we just, um, we either obtain a circuit board from a vendor and QST or uh, wherever you might hear about that, or you would uh, put it together for a one-time type of assembly using um, Manhattan style construction or point-to-point -point wiring with perf board. There are a number of ways of, of constructing circuits uh, these days as well as in the past. Um, but doing circuit boards, um, creating a, a more professional look for your project is is a fun adventure. And it's one that uh, you can, and, and it's an indeed made to be shared with, uh, with others um, so that they can also build up the project with ease. Um, there's, uh, what we're going to talk about today is kind of a, the process. Uh, it's the process of going from concept, an idea, maybe it's a schematic that you see published somewhere and you want to modify it a little bit and, uh, but going from that, that basic starting point of an idea up to a, a shiny green, usually green colored, uh, circuit board. Uh, full of components there on your bench. Um, as I look around my bench here, I must see I must see at least twenty different uh, projects. Not all mine, but uh, 
its cir circuit boards, whether it has surface mount components or through-hole components on it, is a very common thing that we have as homebrewers. It's kind of a unique thread that pulls us together. So Joe and I were thinking that it would be really interesting to kind of overview one process. Um, and it happens to be the one that we follow. And, and as we come up the learning curve, and we'll touch on other, other tools and approaches as well, but uh, as I said in the introductory notes um, in the announcement here, printed circuit board design, circuit design, and schematic capture, this is an area that, that kind of is along the lines of uh, religion or politics. Uh, you have Everybody has their own favorite one for whatever reason. And uh, one tends to stick with the tools that you know how to use. And so too it is here for the circuit board design and me personally. But along the way, while sticking to my the tried and true techniques and, and refined techniques, I've uh, had opportunity from time to time to kind of explore along the side lines, the, the, uh, along the, uh, the tributaries leading to this major, major flow along the way. Uh, to see other packages in progress, and you know, sometimes I was forced to because sometimes the circuit was only able to be done in a different package. So I'll be able to comment on some of those. And of course, as usual, we'd like to um, we'd like to we'll, we'll toss this out for open discussion at various points. And if you've got some specific experience about using um, a, a schematic capture tool, a drawing package, if you will as well as a circuit board layout package. Um, please, we, we wish you would uh, chime in there uh, when, when asked. But um, if you haven't tried anything, this is where the real value of, of this session is. This uh, chat with the designers is meant to kind of share real life experience, um, show a blend of techniques and different ways that things can be done. If you have not yet tried circuit board design, A, it's not as hard as it, as it might seem. B, you've got the tools all relatively um, um, at your disposal and not too much of a cost usually. And C, uh, you've got a lot of people that can help you out along the way. And you can, uh, for perhaps, well, certainly less than $100, you can end up with probably about three or four circuit boards of, uh, of tremendous quality. And, and hence, uh, you know, have a great success under your belt. So if you have never tried it before, or if you've just sort of experimented a little bit here and there, what we'll talk about tonight are some things that you might want to try. And on the webpage, and I posted the webpage uh, uh, URL in the notes section here in, on uh, the TeamSpeak uh, webpage, as well as this, it's the same note uh, URL that we put out in the, the announcement so if you don't have that web page up, please see if you can get that up simultaneously while listening to this uh, TeamSpeak session. Because I'll refer to some additional material that I placed up there that uh, not only uh, supplement the outline that I put up last night, but also present a case study. Um, you'll notice that if you, if you have the web page up, you'll notice that I put up the SICK card, the um, sweeper input card, the SIC card as a, as a case study project, because it really illustrates every single one of the principles that we're, that we've uh, overviewed and, and are going to go through in detail, right from a napkin 
at uh, one of our design breakfasts, breakfasts that Joe and I regularly have, right up through the actual finished project that we actually, in I think maybe two sessions ago, used for measurement of RF uh, RF signals. So, so we'll, we can kind of use that as a as a good uh, vehicle. Um, so that's kind of like what we're going to talk about for the next. Well, let's see, it's uh, for the next 50 minutes. We're not going to go longer than an hour. And uh, if uh, you want to drill down on some things, be sure you bring that up and we can uh, go deeper or skim along faster as necessary. So maybe maybe before I dive in a little bit, I thought we'd give a bit of a chance for uh, a quick question or two or clarification if anybody has a question uh, before we dive uh, dive into things. Anybody have a question? Alrighty then. So let's uh, let's get into that. I'll probably follow the general outline that we posted on the website, which um, starts with uh, schematic capture. Basically, if you haven't heard some of these words, um, I'll be using them in the in the vernacular of of how they are indeed used. Schematic capture is just as the name sort of sounds like, as you're you're taking a, a schematic and you're getting it into a reproducible usually electronic package and once you do that you can refine it you can revise it and update it and make it prettier and add to it and evolve the design until you get it just right but actually getting the schematic into you know from 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 your brain as an idea into a, a good and reproducible and revisable form is uh, is an important step perhaps a little bit obvious but it is an important step, and uh, many of our designs these days start as uh, as I show down on the later down on the page, further down on the page. You'll see the SIC card um, origin on a on a napkin that uh, Joe and I were scribbling on. I think it was in early December. Um, at uh, we have a regular design, what we call a, a design breakfast meeting maybe every other week or so and at which we review some ideas that we have and hey what about this and what about that or here's a circuit for this joe ultimately came up with uh with this thing and we kind of brought it all together onto that napkin and you'll see that napkin a shot of it right there i still have it because i stuffed it into my little design notebook and that's how the sic card really started right as a napkin design and um i took a picture of it and right then and there that's a way to start capturing that schematic. But ultimately, if you're going to expand and get it, uh, get it uh, more, a better quality for distribution and comment and, and ultimately documentation usages, you need to use a, some kind of a drawing package. Now, here's where we're uh, already, right off the bat, you kind of uh, dive into some of the specifics that... Um, that the schematic capture and the PCB manufacturers like to offer us homebrewers. Um, there is an electronic package called a, uh, well, it's a, it's a PCB schematic capture and a light, PCB layout program. Schematic capture and PCB layout program. And you'll see from our references at the very bottom of that page that um, a popular one these days uh, is Eagle Another popular one is ExpressPCB. ExpressPCB. This is one that uh, 
is, is very popular because it's free. Uh, you can go to ExpressPCB.com. The links are on the bottom of the page. And you can ultimately download their tools. And I'll, I'll get their tools and, and further links for them um, after this session. And when you load that tool uh, and install it, it uh, creates two icons on your desktop. One is called, I forgot what the exact names are, but one is called Express PCB, um, Express Schematic Capture and Express PCB PCB Capture or something along those lines. So when you, um, when you would click on the Express Schematic um, entry program, um, an editor comes up. And on that editor, in that editor, it's a graphics package. You can in, um, select different components and put them in or make build your own components that ultimately would come together in the form of a schematic. You would see resistors and capacitors and symbol, the symbols for resistors and capacitors, symbols for PIC, microcontrollers, and, and other types of components that you would uh, drop down onto your desktop, onto the, a blank screen that it offers, and then you would connect it with wires, lines, uh, from one pin to another, pretty much as that uh, schematic that on the hand-drawn napkin um, dictated. At the end of the day, when you have nice uh, parallel lines and all your components are there, your schemat, your uh, resistors and capacitors and connectors are on there, and you have them labeled, uh, you've got yourself your schematic, and that's, that's really nice. Um, the schematic capture program from ExpressPCB or others, Eagle, and as I've indicated before, and I'll get more into it, I use CIRCAD, an oldie but goodie, um, is a CIRCAD. It's called CIRCAD. Um, these schematic capture programs are, are editors. They all have unique commands, uh, different kinds of commands and techniques for putting components down. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm getting to the age where it's it's getting a little bit hard to, to, to have uh, five or six different drawing packages uh, um, in my mind and keeping the command straight and the technique straight. I like to have one drawing package and, and use it well as opposed to having the ability to pull up five or six different drawing packages, be it for a schematic entry or be it for architectural things that you might have in progress around the house or a mechanical drawing for something else. So in one, in, in well, I guess one main piece of recommendation would be when you find a package that you like, keep with it, keep with it and continue using it and refining your ability because you might use it well enough the first time, but I'll guarantee you that the next time that you use it and the next time and next month and next year when you continue using it, you're going to get pretty darn good at using that particular tool. And that's all of the, uh, that, that's a big, that's a big uh, um, benefit that comes with experience, of course. I, uh, I think back to one of the first designs that I did. Some of you might remember something called the, uh, uh, Joe, it was called the SOP. What did that stand for? Seat of the Pants Receiver. Seat of the Pants Receiver is a 40 meter trans a 40 meter receiver. And uh, boy, man, we, we squeezed a lot of stuff onto that board. I didn't know which end was up, and I grabbed uh, schematic. I actually grabbed CIRCAD. <laughs> and I didn't know what was the ideal line width or the pad sizes 
I didn't worry about ground plane. I didn't know what cert, I didn't know what um, solder mask was. I didn't bother with uh, uh, labels and silk screen. I had a kind of a really raw uh, design, and it really looked raw. And as a result, it really didn't get an awful lot of uh, successes under its belt with builders building it. But it was one heck of a learning experience. I look back on that and I cringe. But between that and let's just talk about the SIC card, the SIC card here, which is the latest one that I've done. Um, it, it's just mountains of difference between the quality and the professionalism that just comes about from using a tool over and over. Now here's a here's a bit of a uh, of a, a funnyism perhaps. After all, after all my talk about schematic capture here and, and whether you're using Eagle or, which I think is also free. Anybody know if Eagle is also free? Eagle schematic capture? I believe that's one you have to pay for. Uh, there may be a small version with limited capabilities, but I think the full version you have to pay for. Okay. Um, I've heard some people really swear by Eagle and its value and, and capabilities, but um, with all of my talk about the schematic entry here, no matter what you use, I still find that the best package for me, and actually it's for, um, because I interact a lot with Joe, Joe's able to use it too. I call it the patent, the N2APB patented micro positioning technique with PowerPoint. Translated, this is, this is, uh, a standard PowerPoint, uh, um, drawing that I use. And I've developed various little symbols by um, combining lines and circles and squares and such to create my own little library of reusable components that I'm able to put side by side and draw lines between and create a schematic. Rather free form, but as you will see if you look down in the schematic there for, um, for the SIC card, it's, it's, I'm, not, I'm not constrained by anything that the package might offer. Some packages only have a certain number of components that you can have on one sheet and then you have to go to multiple sheets and you have to use little symbols that show where signals go from one page to the next and it gets a little complex and normally my projects are, are one sheeters and I like to have a free form. But if you've ever used PowerPoint, and PowerPoint is very common, but if you've ever used it for kind of drawing lines and schematics and such, you would find that it's tough because of uh, some of them the grid snapping or the res the resolution with which you can make two lines come together is uh, is limited. And I won't go into all of the detail now, but and, and we can later on if there's time. But there is a technique that I use, and the results are right there on the webpage, uh, the good results, that shows how I can micro-position. In other words, very small steps, in um, move a line up or down, or move a second line over on top of another one to have it meet up uh, seamlessly. And then the results look really, really good. And again, that's a technique that uh, Joe and I are able to interchange quite quite readily, and others would be able to use it too. In fact, after the session, um, I have a link there that has the SIC schematic um, in PowerPoint form and right there available on a web page. You could download that. And you would see some of the techniques that I'm, I'm doing. If I have two lines that are coming together, um, 
chances are slim that I'll, and, and, and perpendicular, two pick lines that are coming together perpendicularly, you know, at right angles, um, to form like a like a a square corner, a square right jog. Uh, chances are slim that I would be able to have that line up either horizontally or vertically. However, if I put a second line over the first one, over over one of them, that's smaller than uh, the, uh, that one, and then I move it down um, so it meets the second line, and I move it over such that it overlaps the line in which I'm trying to extend, it looks like one line that's going to meet another. Hard to explain. You'll have to see the PowerPoint uh, uh, slide with the SIC schematic in order to see what I mean. But that's the technique that I use, and it's uh, it works out really well. And um, uh, I've also used Visio uh, because I have it, but that's a bit of an expense. I just happen to be lucky enough to have it. And um, I've also uh, uh, used some other packages, but those are the two that I standardize on. Um, a really interesting characteristic, and this is something to keep in mind, is that these packages that I've met, uh, mentioned, um, ORCAD, um, Eagle, and ExpressPCB are the ones that uh, are probably the ones that I can most readily speak to. They have what's called an integrated editor. Now, there's a lot to be said for this, both positive and negative, but it's something you might want to keep in mind. In other words, let's let's take Express PCB for an example. Um, this once you, as I said, once you install Express PCB, you would end up with two programs on your desktop. One is for schematic capture, and the other one is for PCB layout. Um, we'll talk about PCB layout in a second, but once you enter a schematic into the schematic capture program, you have an ability, because of the integrated nature of these two programs, to say, to, to essentially press one button and have that schematic turned into a, the initial PCB layout that you're, that you're looking for. So in other words, if I had this, the SIC board in the schematic uh, part of um, the Express PCB package, and I would uh, go into the Express PCB, uh, the, the PCB layout uh, tool, and I would say, this is the size that I want my board to be, and here's where I want the major components to go. Don't worry about interconnecting the, the components yet. But and then I go back to the schematic capture program, press a button, and then it would take all of the electronic connections that are indicated in the schematic, and it would put them into they would what we call route. It would route or connect those component leads with traces on the PCB board. Now, that's pretty magic-like, if you ask me. And, and it's, uh, it's been getting better and better all the time. And then you have an opportunity, once that's auto-routed, to go into the PCB file and modify it, move things around, adjust things, maybe take a trace that's going in a, in a wild and woolly manner, and maybe you want it to, to go in a different way so you can, you can move it around. Sort of like if you've ever gone to Google Maps, and you say, I want my directions from point A to point B, and then it'll plot out a nice, um, I forgot what color line, but it'll plot out a line across the map as far as how to get from point A to point B. If you don't want that particular route, you can grab an intermediate point on that line and drag it one way or the other to force the map directions to be going over a different route, a different path, 
a different set of roads. Same too for the PCB layout. If you want to change the routing that was done automatically, you have the ability to do that afterwards. Now that's a very valuable, helpful, um, convenient um, package uh, capability. And it's something not to sneeze at. In fact, if I if I weren't so ingrained in my own particular ways and I had time to learn another capability of the package that I'm using, CIRCAD even offers that. Again, if you go down, uh, if you go down on the web page, you would see the uh, the screenshots that I have of CIRCAD, uh, some sample circuit. I don't know what it is, uh, but it shows the schematic uh, of it in the schematic capture window, and then it has the auto routed. PCB layout in the PCB window. Now, a great value of that is that you can have that, uh, uh, you can have the, the confidence and the assuredness of the routing. Um, well, from, you know, IC1 pin 5 going to IC13 pin 2, and that you can be confident that that was done correctly by, by the, um, the automated routing process. The technique that I use is manual. I hand, essentially hand draw the schematic and PowerPoint and then hand draw the layout, uh, the PCB layout file. Um, gives me the ultimate flexibility, but it also offers me a great opportunity for error. And Joe and others have a, um, have a fun time trying to check the, my, my techniques and check my, my wiring to see if it's, if it's done properly. But anyways, that, and from a schematic capture standpoint, and if you have not tried anything before, that might be something that you'd want to look into. A schematic capture using Express PCB or CIRCAD as an example. And then keep in mind that when it comes time to do the PCB layout that we'll mention in just a moment, you know, you'll have an opportunity to press one button and have it all, all done for you. Let's take a break at this point here. And Joe, I'll kind of toss it back to you to moderate uh, any questions or maybe ask a question or two that you might have. Sure, thank you, George. Yeah, I can hear you getting a little hoarse there. Um, good discussion, good discussion. One thing that uh, George didn't mention with any of the uh, schematic capture programs, um, need to have uh, uh, symbols. In fact, for the printed circuit board layouts too, there are libraries of symbols that come along. Some of the ones for the commercial programs are very sophisticated, when you're doing things like the uh, PowerPoint, George and I have come up with our own set of uh, standard schematic symbols. So that's one downside of doing that. But on the other hand, uh, sometimes you have, have to make up uh, your own symbols anyway. Uh, any questions so far about uh, schematic capture and uh, the beginning of uh, printed circuit the layout from the group? Go ahead. Okay, don't hear any. Uh, one other thing that, um, uh, yeah, I had another note, <laughs> and I've forgotten what it was. Oh, one other uh, program that uh, uh, some people use for schematic capture is AutoCAD. Uh, however, that's another, another one uh, you have to pay for. Very powerful, uh, has its own learning curve associated with it. Um, I've used several of the um, uh, free um, schematic capture programs and uh, freestanding schematic capture programs. I'm not particularly thrilled uh, thrilled with them. Uh, I always fall back, as George mentioned, 
to uh, to the PowerPoint uh, uh, thing. We we have a long history of that. We've uh, done a lot of schematics. The other um, thing you handicap yourself with when you go with a canned uh, schematic capture program, particularly one that uh, is tied into a uh, integrated uh, red circuit board uh, layout uh, ensemble of programs, is that the format of the schematic is uh, um, is set. They have a certain size or set of sizes have to use, and, uh, and they have um, uh, a tunnel block and the rest of that. So that comes out on eight and a half by 11 sheet or, or another standard size. That can be pretty limiting if you're going to uh, grab part of the schematic and, and want to uh, publish it in an article or something. Uh, you don't want to have to publish the whole darn sheet. If you do things by yourself with uh, PowerPoint as we do or with Visio or uh, I believe AutoCAD, you can size uh, the layout and you can configure the layout to just exactly what you want to uh, tailor it to your needs. Um, all right, I guess I'll go back to George and let him. Uh, okay, do we have a question? Yeah, I just, Rick, I just wanted to make a, a comment. Uh, since we're always looking for good uh, free software, uh, and PowerPoint uh, and Visio are, are, are for pay. Uh, the Open Office package that has the, the, the same thing as Microsoft Office has a package in it called Open Office Draw, which also has all of the kinds of drawing capabilities you talked about. Indeed, it does. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. I um, I have used that on uh, on my Linux computer and on a Windows computer. I haven't gone up the learning curve to make my own symbol library for it. But uh, yeah, that's another good one. The reason I mentioned Visio is that um, um, uh, I was able to pick up an older version of Visio um, at a um, computer show, uh, one that was about three versions out of date, and it cost me like uh, 35 bucks. So you don't have to have the latest and greatest if you're on. What you're going to do with simple, uh, simple drawings. Any more questions about uh, schematic capture? All right, George, uh, why don't you proceed on to uh, more of the details of uh, printed circuit board layout. All right, Joe, thanks a lot. That was a good interlude. And while we're just starting up here, could we just have kind of a show of a verbal show of hands of how many people have, have done a circuit board before, have, have created their own circuit boards? I did it back in the old tape days. Yeah, I've, I've done it several times in the past. Yeah, I did it with the old resist pen. And painted it after. Ruby paper. Ruby paper. Paper. Yeah, yeah, Terry's done yeah. the um, the old uh, tape and uh, and uh, uh, whatever they're called decals, and also laid out print circuit board on uh, Express PCB. Great. Sounds like we have a good smattering of experience here. Joe, I didn't, uh, Joe Jessen, I didn't hear your, uh, your comment. Do you want to do it again? Just saying Ruby, uh, cutting Ruby paper. <laughs> Ruby lift. I knew that person yeah. in high school, actually, I think. 
a million years ago, right? Yeah, indeed. However, uh, you know, it, it's a, still a technique that, that works. And I, I forgot which one of you guys said uh, that you laid it out with resist pen. Uh, I think many of us probably started with that technique uh, um, in, in the very beginning, too. I know I did. And funny how everything still comes around back to laying down uh, laying down lines of some sort and then and then uh, cut it away and whether it's at a fab house or in your with some etchant in your uh, in your kitchen but uh, today's tools are certainly are, are certainly quite helpful and the PCB layout one is the one that's probably the most uh, uh, the most helpful because it just offers a lot of different capabilities and it's a very most of the packages are very intuitive in nature and you can get a good handle on it um, if you kind of go down to um, again if, if you're if you have that web page up if you go down to these the multicolor the red and blue diagram um, graphic that shows the sweeper input card that's the result of my using the um, ORCAD package, <laughs> I didn't mean to say that, the uh, CIRCAD package uh, for creating the SIC card. Most of my cards are, are two layers, a top and a bottom. If it gets a little bit more complex, as it did, by the way, for the uh, SDR cube, uh, the DSP card was kind of complex and we needed to keep low noise, so we had an internal layer, actually two, because layers often are, are, are Layers come in in, um, in groups of two, so we had two internal layers that we used. One was a power plane, and, and another internal layer was a power was a uh, uh, the VCC plane, and then trace layers are on the top and bottom. But nonetheless, the simple cards are two layers, and when we say two layers, it's the copper that's on top, and if you turn the, the board over, it's the copper that you see in the bottom, and what's in between is just the uh, uh, the fiberglass material that serves as the base. Now, the card that you're looking at there, the sweeper input card, and it's also pictured down below that a little bit further, is um, the, my convention, and it's totally just a convention that an individual uses. My convention is to use the color red for the top, for the top copper, and blue is the color for the bottom uh, layer. So using that kind of convention and, and providing like a, what's called an, what I call an x-ray view, you can see both layers as, uh, on, the, on a sweeper input card as if you were you know, looking down on top of the card but looking right through it. So you can see that the red components, all the surface mount components, the ICs, and that, um, that ground ring around the, uh, the sensitive log amp components um, are all... Uh, pads on the top part and that's actually what you end up laying out the process is just pretty simple when you start with a uh, with a PCB layout package is to put the components down so I find in my little library uh, that is offered in the drawing package that I have and I have to build some components sometimes too but I pull from that library the, the layout the pad layout of uh, the footprint of the components in this case for U2 for example that uh, ADC, the A to D converter, it happened to be, oh gosh, what is that? Uh, three, six, and ten, maybe a 20 pin SOIC. So um, 
I pulled up that component and just kind of laid it down, oriented it in order to optimize perhaps some of the, uh, the input trace uh, directions that would be needed. And uh, I put holes. I, I put uh, holes in each of the corners of the sweeper input card. I, I positioned the connector at, at the one end, uh, the BNC connector at one end of the board, and that uh, this um, the SIP, um, the single inline uh, package connector, P1, on the left-hand side of the board. So you get the, the general layout there. Um, in, in mind as, as you're uh, starting the project. And then, um, then you get a chance to kind of uh, make sure that you have a sanity check, that uh, parts are not too close to each other. There's a really good package for uh, uh, design rule check to make, it checks all of your lines when you're done and make sure that your hole sizes are not too small or too close to some of the other lines. And so there's some automated free packages online that you can uh, submit your Gerber files to and have them checked automatically. I'll mention in a moment what Gerber files are, but it's uh, you can have an automatic check done for, um, for your circuit. After you put components down, you start, you start uh, using your schematic as a guide um, you can start laying down the traces. Um, in other words, put a line to connect, if you're looking at the schematic, pin 1 on that P1 connector over to, it looks like it's going to pin 18. It's going to R4 and pin 18 on U2. And of course, that directly corresponds to the schematic that you entered. And hence, uh, you'll be able to go back and check things out later on to make sure that things are just right. Um, Oftentimes there's a there's a great need to get uh, signals from one side of the board to the other, and uh, we do that with something called vias, um, a hole, a small hole that goes from the top, uh, goes through the board, and it's got a trace. It connects the trace on top to the trace on the bottom, and in this case there are a number of vias, and you can take one as an example, the the DC output of the log amp. Uh, coming from the U1 area, comes out of that uh, the protected area by means of a blue trace, a horizontal blue trace, coming from, uh, it looks like it's coming from C3 and R3 connection, and it goes across to the left, and then it moves to the top side of the board underneath U2, and then it then connects to the trace, which then goes to, it looks like, pin 6. No, it's pin 7 of, uh, of U2, and then on to the edge connector, P1, pin 3. So getting the trace from top to bottom is done by putting little holes or vias in there that connect those, uh, those traces. Um, so, so signal traces can go on the top or the bottom. I normally try to keep my signal traces on the top of the board, just from a sanity perspective, to have most of the interconnect of components there on the top and easily accessible, probable. You can probe them after uh, afterwards without turning the board over. And then there are some components, some traces that are just more opportune, or from a routing perspective, they fit in better, being routed on the bottom. But if I keep most of the traces on the top, that leaves me a lot of empty space 
on the bottom of the board that I fill up with ground plane. And that's what you see in the blue. Remember, blue is the bottom uh, color. I guess that's a, that's a bit of an assist, a mental assist that I didn't realize. Blue is the bottom. And that blue is a ground. Most of the blue, if it's not a signal trace, it's ground. And I have it grounded at uh, various points and ultimately make sure that all those ground points are all interconnected and not cut off from each other. So I flowed the ground plane by putting a lot of blue copper with my PCB layout tool on the bottom side. And that acts as a shield. It acts as a pretty darn good shield by having all of the traces on top kind of sitting just just uh, a sixteenth of an inch actually above the ground. And it acts as a good uh, shield and, and uh, protection from noise and, and, and such. So th that's those are the major components of this of this circuit board design and um, two layers top and bottom there are holes components that are laid out connectors George yep mention the EMV is connecting the top and bottom ground the purple okay good point um, the uh, as Joe said, the um, let me do it this way. I didn't mention it because it was kind of a detail, but the color purple is what they call as a a pad master. It's a pad that doesn't connect to anything either by default, and you can connect it to ground or you can connect it to uh, a signal trace on top. And that's why the four holes in the corners of the SIC card are purple, and, and actually all all of the holes are purple. But I think what Joe is getting at is um, if you see that red square shield that surrounds the log amp U1, um, that red is on the top. And what we wanted to do was to have that connected very well to the ground plane below. So you remember from previous evening's discussions, we have to make sure, we wanted to make sure that that uh, log amp was shielded from external RF noise and, and such. In order to do that, we put a tin can over that circuit and that tin the little tin can a little shell would fit down over on top of that uh, that that ring that square and uh, solder to it but we wanted to make sure we needed to make sure that 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 square was grounded on the printed circuit board that uh, the big red fat red uh, square trace rectangle and we did that by connecting the vias and it looks like four Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, maybe sixteen different vias around the square connect that red trace to the ground down below, and that's a way that we designed this to uh, to have the shield, should shield it can able to be soldered onto that that uh, circuit board and yet still be grounded in a very efficient manner. That does that do that, Joe? Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of a. It is kind of a net, but uh, for this particular one, it's very important to have the, uh, the ground plane on the bottom and the, as you pointed out, the grounded can on top, intimately connected. Yeah, indeed. Now, uh, it's good to be uh, designing some of our circuit boards with uh, uh, testing in mind. So, although I don't do it too much on this card per se, and I, I can kick myself for not making that one signal that I described the output of the uh, log amp in that via that comes up 
underneath U2, it's not accessible. I should have made that accessible for test points. So if you design some test points into your circuit, whether it's a feedback loop that you will need to monitor, you can actually put a separate pin on there that you can hook a scope probe onto later on. You can put a pin on the ground plane uh, also, put a hole in the ground plane connected to the ground, uh, that blue ground plane, and have a convenient uh, clip-on point for your scope probe to make sure that uh, you, you get a good ground when you're trying to measure the signals. Now, the, uh, the output, and this, is, this gets us into the next, uh, transitions us into the next uh, section for uh, board fabrication. The output of a PCB layout tool are a set of files called Gerbers. So no longer is are Gerbers uh, relegated to baby food that you might be might have used uh, with your children in the past, but these Gerber files are intermediate. Or actually, they are physical files that uh, represent the top layer, the bottom layer, and uh, and actually it represents even the uh, the silk screen layer. It's a separate layer from an electronics package perspective. Uh, the silk screen layer is shown overlaid on top of this red-blue diagram, but also if you go down just a little bit, you would see the layout um, of the sweeper card where I just printed out just the silk screen. So I'm able to use that in the manual that's useful for a builder to see where components go and during the building process. So, but that's also a Gerber file. So this file, this uh, SIC card has uh, uh, a separate Gerber file for top layer, bottom layer, for the, um, sometimes it's called legend or silk screen on the top. Sometimes there are silk screens on the bottom, but I don't have it on this one. Then there's another one for something called solder mask. Again, it's part of the automated process. You normally don't have to worry too much about it, but the fabrication process uses a solder mask to keep the green, and mostly it's green, the green solder mask um, away from the pads because when it's goes when a board goes to flow solder you want the solder in the flow solder bath to tin um, and, and connect the components that are connected to those pads u2 p1 r5 and so on and you don't want solder to go onto uh, areas of the ground plane for example that uh, that are exposed like all that other blue so on on the blue uh, on the SIC card, and you can, um, I think you can see some of it. Sure. Uh, well, only through, only through, yeah, the, the top of the, of the uh, sweeper input card in the actual photograph down below has, um, that's what, uh, has green, and it's green solder mask, and the green solder mask is what masks uh, the solder and keeps it away from areas that you don't want the, uh, uh, the solder to go onto. So uh, that's yet another layer. So those those four layer, uh, five layers, those five Gerber files are sent off to a fab house. And all they do, all they do is just take your Gerber files, they put them into their machines, and they stack them up in the right order. They align, um, they align the, uh, the layers and actually then uh, create, uh, create the circuit boards for you. And from your perspective, it's that simple. From their perspective, it's a little bit more complex, but that's uh, that's their job. So, taking the Gerber files from the output in, uh, of the PCB layout program and sending them off to a fab house is uh, 
is the last process, the last step of the process as far as you are concerned in, in the PCB manufacturing perspective. You would then uh, send those files off and fill in some of the uh, forms. And I showed an example at the bottom of the web page of, uh, I think it was, uh, oh, um, a fab house that I really like is called um, Myro PCB, M-Y-R-O PCB. They are offshore and they make really inexpensive boards. So it's something that I use and I send my Gerbers over to them. Within eight days, I have back either small quantities or large quantities, depending on what I paid for. And uh, superb quality, absolutely superb quality. In the past, I've also used some other um, fab houses here stateside. I've used Bay Area circuit boards out in uh, Red uh, um, Red City, Red I forgot the Redwood City or something. It's close to San Francisco. Other times I've used uh, a pro for prototypes. I've used Alberta PCB up in Alberta, Canada, and the link is there. And it's all the same process. The forms are a little bit different. Identify your Gerber files. Identify the thickness of copper that you want, and a lot of standard stuff. And lo and behold, you get back some uh, circuit boards. In general, it takes oh. I would say, again, if you want, uh, uh, let's, let's take the sweeper input card as an example. If you've, if you've seen pictures of it before and get an idea for the, for the size, it's about oh, an inch and a half by three inches or so. That thing cost me to have fabricated. Each board ended up, and this is for, uh, I had 10 of them made. So each board cost on the average of um, $10, 10 times 10 is 100. Yeah, so it was about $10, $10 for a board, and I had 10 of them made. Um, and as curiously as it sounds, it would be, that's 100, and, you know, it's going to be about plus shipping and setup and all that, about $130. So it would be $130 if I had 10 made. It would be about $130 if I had uh, four made. Um, just because of economies start kicking in at a certain uh, at a certain quantity. Now the beauty comes about when we go to production with the SIC card and have general kit availability for for this. You will see. Um, well, I'm not sure you would see it, but the actual board cost to me to have a hundred made goes from to ten dollars. Oh, it would be reduced probably down to on the order of seventy five cents. If I get maybe 200 or 300, it go, that board right there will cost me about um, 45 cents. So you can really see economies of scale when you get the larger runs of the circuit boards. And that's where some of the, the, uh, the cost breaks come when you see people offering kits, either small run kits or larger size kits. That's some of the, the price advantage that they take, the cost advantages that they take advantage of. Uh, you know, when, when getting kids out the door to us guys, uh, us homebrewers. So, um, the techniques that, that we're talking about here are, are pretty straightforward. Um, in the, and, uh, you know, you end up with a circuit board that's, that's really, uh, exactly per your design. And if there is, if you make an error in a pin number, uh, connecting the trace to a pin, for example, either in a schematic or in the layout part for the PCB, 
you'll have to correct it by cutting the trays and putting the jumper in and the next rev of the board you can correct it and again keeping good records allows you to do that now i wanted to make a point about if you haven't done anything before i really recommend grabbing express pcb so you get a chance to get that integrated tool suite that schematic entry and the pcb entry um, but there's a there's there's something else that's hidden there that's both good and bad the good part is that once you lay out the once you create your schematic and once you create the uh, um, the the pcb layout using their tools you would essentially metaphorically press one button and that that file is sent to the uh, uh, to the express pcb manufacturer and Dave, do you have a question? It looks like your blue light's coming on here. David, KB4FXC. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I, I had it uh, had something pressing the keyboard there, but actually I do have a question. The um, uh, the prices you were mentioning earlier, was that for Miro PC or someone else? They were from Miro, um, but they tend to be somewhat all competitive and about the same as long as you order the right service. And, uh, sometimes you can order a board with and without legend or with and without a solder mask or maybe just have a one-sided board uh, well traces on one side all of these would keep your initial prototype sizes uh, costs down but when it comes time for larger scale um, production as it were you they all they're kind of competitive okay i appreciate it another question sure go ahead uh, many years ago, when I tangentially involved in these kinds of businesses, what used to drive us nuts was the fact that uh, we had to have plated through holes. Is that I take it that that's just absolute routine these days? Yeah, it's definitely standard operating practice to have plated through holes or PTHs, and um, you have to look a little bit at some of the dimensions on your holes because a plated through hole that or a, a hole that you specify that is. Uh, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, 30 mils in diameter is going to be slightly less than 30 mils after the plated through, um, after it is plated through. And for anybody who's wondering what the heck is a plated through hole, of course, this is copper that's inside the hole around around the, uh, the perimeter of the hole, uh, on the inside of that hole. So kind of think of it as a cylinder of, um, uh, that's, that's created with copper around the outside of that cylinder, connecting the top and the bottom uh, traces of the pads. Yeah, but it is uh, uh, standard practice. The point I was getting at with, um, and this is important, um, with Express PCB is that you don't get the Gerbers. You do not get Gerbers um, unless you do some special uh, ordering from them. Um, and normally, that's it's not going to be a killer. For example, if this were an SIC card that I wanted to make, you know, uh, 10 of, as I did, uh, for um, myself and, and my, you know, nine people in our club, for example, I would do that. I would submit it by uh, uh, Express PCB. I'd get my boards. And uh, I'd never have to worry about Gerber files. I don't get the Gerber files as a result. I only get the boards back. If I want more, Boards later on, I would submit the design again, and they would go through the process and create more boards from the files that are that uh, are kind of like built into your um, your design package. 
Um, however, I'm not able then to take the output of that express PCB and go to some other PC fab house in order to get the boards made. Let me use an example. Um, some of you know with my SDR cube project, uh, the transceiver, I use the Softrock as the RF front end. I arranged with Tony um, 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 YIG, KB9YIG, and uh, I was able to get the rights and license to make more boards on my own. But he had the project in Express PCB. He used the, that package in order to produce it. In other words, he did not have the Gerbers. He just ordered it fresh every time he needed to make the boards. And whereas I wanted to take the boards and I wanted to have it fabricated at my row PCB. So what I did and what one would have to do is I, I was able to get his design files and I submitted my own job through Express PCB. And um, I think with a three board minimum, you can pay an extra X amount, 50, 60, $70. I forgot what it was. And then in addition to getting those, the boards that you ordered, you would also get the uh, the Gerber files from them. And then I was able then to take the Gerber files, send them off to Myro PCB and get hundreds and hundreds of the soft rock boards made up. But that's an artifact of the Express PCB. It's nice and convenient, but they also kind of retain a little bit of their own um, intellectual property. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it make, you have to be aware that you don't get Gerbers with that particular package. And that might be this, how it's done with others as well. But as I said, if you're starting off, you have a simple design, you want to get it done for like $65, you can get a couple of three boards made up um, in a relatively straightforward and easy manner with free tools. That's definitely the way to go. Okay, we could talk, I could talk forever on this, on this topic because there's all sorts of subtleties and tricks and it's really fun to do that. But we wanted to cut it off at an hour, um, but... And, and, and therefore, at this point, I'll kind of stop and just refer you to the case study that I've been referring to. Um, definitely take a look at the PowerPoint uh, uh, file that I use as a, on a pretty regular basis to draw my schematics. And as uh, Rick, I think, had indicated, using OpenOffice to create uh, using the, uh, their, draw, their draw package, it probably would achieve the same results. I've used OpenOffice as well, and and uh, all of the, the most of the keyboard uh, hotkeys and shortcuts and, and such work just fine. And and that's a that's a lower cost alternative than using PowerPoint. But as Joe said, uh, um, AutoCAD uh, was popular, and some guys still capitalize on that. Uh, Visio is a great tool for schematic capture. And uh, if you're starting out brand new, I would definitely recommend using an integrated package um, such as comes with uh, ExpressPCB. If I had to recommend my bottom line recommendation, if, um, if, if, if you're going to be using something longer term and you want to get better at doing it and, you, and you, you like doing it and you're going to do one circuit after another in a different kind, I would invest in a, um, a medium or a low to medium cost tool. And I really can speak highly of CIRCAD. Uh, it's from Hollow Phase. The links are there on the, on the webpage. But uh, I started off with the DOS version of CIRCAD some 10, 15 years ago. And they have graduated up and uh, evolved into, into a nice Windows uh, format that works on, on uh, uh, 
the modern operating systems and it's uh, produces superb results and it has an integrated uh, text editor and PCB editor and you press the button and proverbially you'll you'll get the uh, the circuit board exact circuit board rendition of what your schematic was but I'd recommend going in that path because then you can standardize on your own package using you know refining your technique and get better and better every time don't worry about how long it takes you the first time or the fifth time or maybe even the tenth time believe me it will get uh, easier it will and the quality will improve an awful lot as you go forward in time um joe we um are there other areas maybe that you think we wanted to touch on here before uh, we start winding down? Well, yeah, I have a couple of questions. Uh, actually, I'm glad you mentioned it. I don't want to drag this out, but uh, uh, one of the questions that comes up uh, frequently on the lists is people have their own uh, preferred uh, package, but uh, they can only get it on certain uh, platforms be it uh, the Windows PC or uh, on the Mac. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, the Linux people are usually left uh, totally out. You mentioned that CERCAD is available for Windows. Is this package or, or any of the other packages available for any of the other uh, popular computers? Uh, in a word, I don't know. Um, I do remember seeing very, um, different OS um, cap uh, OS is being supported, but they all might be within the Windows family. Uh, just I recommend just going to the home page and looking to see what that tool is, uh, what platform it's uh, supported on. If you happen to be on a non-Windows uh, platform, um, you'll of course have to know that and I'll lay dollars to donuts that you'll find a package. I just don't know which ones uh, are available for that. Okay. Might I recommend, because I'm going to cut this off uh, shortly too, um, if you have uh, questions or you might want to look the, uh, the information over, folks, that uh, we've presented tonight, you might, uh, might come up with some questions during the week. We can set aside uh, maybe five minutes the next uh, session just to deal with uh, questions from the previous session. And I think we might want to... Uh, might want to make that uh, a standard practice. Other than that, uh, uh, I have no more questions, George. And I recommend that we uh, we leave additional questions for next week. Okay, boss, you 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 got it then. Um, uh, I'll I'll wrap up my monologue here, and I'll toss it back to you for the, the final ribbons. Um, I'll also be around if. Uh, there are questions and you wanted to continue onward. I'm not sure about tonight. I've got some things to do, but from night to night to night, there's there's a great chance that I'm on. I'm just listening here on TeamSpeak. Or you can email to Joe or me, and uh, definitely uh, we'll get back to you with uh, either some answers or maybe just arrange to get here, come back over onto TeamSpeak uh, for a couple of minutes one evening and uh, chat with you and your specific application. I'd love to help you out. If you have uh, a desire to give it a try, you want to try a certain package, I'd be glad to go through that with you uh, to the best that I would be able to and offer my tidbits of, of uh, experience that I picked up along the way. But thanks to everybody for, for listening here. This is more of a, a blast of an, an overview of, of 
some tools that that are useful in our home brewing activities and hopefully you've been able to pick up some tips and get some ideas and maybe even some motivation to try out something on your own even if just to maybe duplicate an existing circuit that uh, you saw in the schematic and you want to give a shot at uh, making your own variation so thanks all um, and um, I'm not sure exactly what our topic will be next week, but we'll get that announced shortly. Go ahead, Joe. All right, thank you, George. Yeah, uh, good session. Um, it's always best um, to have somebody uh, trying to describe something who's been through the process. And indeed, you laid that out fairly well. How, uh, how you've learned as we, we've gone along and, and kind of evolved a uh, process of how to uh, how to come up with good printed circuit boards for projects. We didn't talk much, but it is also important to uh, keep track of what you're doing. Try to keep a log of, uh, uh, of your activities as you're doing a design to have some sort of a revision control as you modify things so that you know what changes were made uh, along the way. And, uh, uh, try to modify with uh, sequential letters or numbers on your printed circuit uh, and diagrams, um, printed circuit uh, identification of diagrams, so you keep track of uh, what's going going on. Next week's session uh, will be uh, the uh, will be the same place, same time. However, um, we're we're going to add in uh, the New Jersey QRP. Uh, monthly meeting, which is not to turn anyone off. Uh, all are welcome. Uh, we'll have a topic that will be the same as this. We'll try to be a little more informal uh, as we would be at an NJQRP meeting, um, soliciting comments and, and having people uh, tell about what they've been doing and uh, what kind of uh, interesting things they've come up with. If anybody's gotten their KX3 yet. Uh, and. Uh, Asking, uh, asking for information uh, they might want that's not necessarily related to the uh, topic. Thank you all for participating. Um, see you again next week. And um, from uh, George, N2APB, and myself, uh, Joe, N2CX, thanks for showing up, and uh, we'll see you next week. Please tune in next week for the next session of Chat with the Designers. Mm-hmm.